When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. Live in the Bream this week. We've got a very special couple of guests with us today. Uh, I want to introduce to you Gabe and Rebecca Lyons. He's the founder of Think Media. This is a 20-year organization. It's out there influencing culture in the context of faith. He does so many interesting things. Um, Together, they have a podcast, Rhythms for Life. He's got a new one coming out also, Undercurrent. Rebecca is a best-selling author, a national speaker. She focuses a lot on mental health and faith. She's got a brand new book coming out May 2nd, Building a Resilient Life. These guys are putting so much good into the world while raising four kiddos at the same time. Not sure how they do it all. Gabe and Rebecca, welcome to Live in the Bream. Thank you so much. We're so excited to be with you, Shannon. Yeah, Shannon, it's fun to be here. And yes, life is busy. (laughs) Yes, it is. I I could go on and on about all the other things you guys are doing, but that's just kind of a sampling. So we're glad you took time out of your busy day to visit with us. And I asked you guys to come on and talk about the story of Adam and Eve. And a lot of people think, okay, I know the story. Um, What more could there be to learn? But I got to tell you, when I wrote about it in my new book, Love Stories of the Bible Speak, I saw different nuances and and picked up new things. And I feel like um, all three of us would probably agree you can read through scripture and get something new every time you do a deep dive and study. Um, So let's start where the Bible starts. This is the very beginning. And I love how through the creation story and Gabe, I know you guys are studying this in your men's group too. Um, Genesis has so much to tell us and we see each thing that God goes through, whether it's the plants or animals or the firmaments, whatever. And every day he said, this is good. It was good. And we find when he gets to Adam and realizes, um, not that God's realizing anything, but everybody else is sort of realizing there's not a partner for Adam. And, And it was kind of the first time we see God saying it wasn't good. So what was missing there? Yeah, well, I love Genesis 1 and 2 because we get this glimpse into God's design for the world and for each of us as human beings prior to there ever being sin or evil entering into the world. So it gives us this incredible glimpse at how he wanted things to be, like how things ought to be. Um, And Adam being alone after naming the animals, I mean, it's a beautiful moment where God recognizes that this human being he's created is going to need a partner, right? And that they're going to need to do this together. And I love even in your book, how you write about this, how the rib was pulled out of the side, right, of Adam, so that he would have a helper that was next to him. It wasn't someone that he would trample over from the foot, or it would be Matthew Henry, I know you reference this in your book, talks about it that way, or somebody that was out of his head that would rule over him, but they were going to be connected. They were going to be together. And that's a beautiful way for anybody in marriage to consider what it means to be married and what it means to be partnered for life. I love this idea of us being a communal people made by a communal God. Um, in, in the Genesis account, he said, let us make man, right? It's like the triune God, the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Spirit are creating. And not only are they creating um, objects and then, and, and animals are creating people who are going, let us, right? Like you can't have an us if there's just Adam. And so this beauty of the Imago Dei, the image of God in us as image bearers is that we need each other in the same way that the Trinity had one another. 
Yeah. And I think that so often from the outside looking in, people will say, okay, women in this religious setup or in the Bible um, are very subservient. They always want to get to the word submission, which, you know, we can dig through the New Testament and Old Testament and talk about that. But I want to read a little bit of what I wrote in the book, because I always learn so much, like I said, in going back. And um, you guys reference Matthew Henry's commentary where he says the the woman was made of a rib from the side of Adam um, to be in partnership, to be with him, to be next to him. And I said, what a delightful way to describe the relationship intended between Adam and Eve. It's easy for us to misunderstand the word helper. And there's no denying that on first reading, Eve comes across as Adam's auxiliary, one who will assist him in the work God has given him. But does that make her any less human or valuable? The answer is unequivocally no. If we dig into the Hebrew word scripture uses for Eve, we discover that the Bible's definition of helper may be a bit different from ours because they're using the Hebrew word there, ezer. It's a simple word used with some frequency in the Bible. At its root, ezer means strong or saving. It's not just help, it's rescuing. And I go on to talk about there's so many times that that word is used in the Bible. Um, and Rebecca, I mean, for you, for me, I think as a as a wife who is, you know, trying to live my best by the Christian faith, um, I don't feel subservient or secondary. I feel like we're very much partners and helpers for each other. Yes, absolutely. And and helper suitable continues with Ezer Konegdo. And it's this idea of being side by side and also face to face. There's such a beauty in going like we were made that when God put us together, there's this championing, this encouraging, this helping, this withness, I think that it's so beautiful in marriage. And when you think about it, we later in scripture, it talks about being mutually submitted to one another, un, another under Christ. It's this idea of going like he put us together because he decided that we were going to be better together. And so the, the gifts that Gabe has that I don't have, I, I've gleaned so much from the gifts that I, that God gave me, those birthright gifts in the womb that God gave me, um, that Gabe might not have. Like there's a beautiful compliment there, I think, of how we're better yeah. Unity. Rebecca rescues me every day, Shannon, and I've seen you rescue Sheldon. Like, I mean, this idea of being rescued, I mean, I think we need to get back to some of these ideas. Obviously, in Proverbs 31, we get to see this beautiful description of a woman that's so resourceful, entrepreneurial. She's definitely partnered with her husband. But in many ways, as I look around the world, we see that women all around the world are leading in their communities. Like they're so critical in the way that you see the world uniquely, the way God's designed women to connect all things. It really helps us as men be better. And so I think this was the beautiful setup. And, you know, because it's before their sin, you can see marriage established as this ordinance that came before there was ever sin in the world. It was just God's design that he wanted people to be connected and for life to be blessed. And, you know, you get to those last days of the creation and he doesn't only say it's good, but with animals and then with human beings, he blesses them. And he says, you know, go and make more like we need more human beings in the world. Go and populate the world um, and have dominion. And, and that's a beautiful beginning to the story. Yeah. And he goes on in, in later in Genesis two, we read, um, about this coming together of these two people. That's why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And then we have this line, and Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So there really was yep. this beautiful, open, vulnerable, transparent. They're in the Garden of Eden. Um, they're created for each other. They're perfectly matched. Talk about this idea of leaving and cleaving. Um, because I think, gosh, different... Um, 
cultures, different generations handle this differently. But at what point is the intention for, you know, husband and wife to build their own family, to do their own thing um, and to create their own new household? Well, the family is such a bedrock of society. I mean, it's the first social institution on which everything else starts to spring forth. It's why governments recognize marriages. It's why in America there's like tax credits for being married because it connects generations. It means that your children will actually help take care of the parents so the government doesn't have to one day, right? That's why governments are motivated about this institution. But for us as believers, those with religious faith, we understand that marriage is about starting to connect generations. It's about a household being created of faith and the leaving and cleaving. I mean, I think it's beautiful that families can live near one another and not have to separate the way we do in the modern world. But I also think the ability for a couple to come together to form their own bond and their own decisions and start to move forward in unity is is really what the cleaving and the leaving means. It means to move away from dependence on someone else and start to depend on one another mm-hmm. and God so that you can establish a new family. Yeah. And as this uh, creation story continues into the, later in Genesis and then Exodus, God would always say that his blessing would be generational, like a generational lineage that loved him. And, and then so he would populate the earth. And that was a sign of blessing, being fruitful and doing this for generations. And obviously we know that you can't procreate without being naked (laughs) and being vulnerable. (laughs) I mean, sometimes we separate, right? Like sex is over here in this category. And then like just the rest of life is over here. But to God, it wasn't, it was holistic and that to be fruitful and multiply and to have blessing would require naked vulnerability. And I think sometimes we isolate that vulnerability to sex over here, but truly vulnerability uh, in marriage is withholding nothing from one another even emotionally, right? And that's sometimes even harder for people or for marriages Mm -hmm. to really, for me to be able to name maybe my deepest pain to Gabe, like to really engage in a rhythm of confession with him where I'm just like, this is the thing that I'm actually struggling with and I want to invite you into that place. But God really did establish that we would have full communion with him, right? It's modeled in the garden. He wanted to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He was, he was looking for them. Even after that original sin, where are you? Like, I miss you. I want to be with you. I want this connection to be here and I want it to be repaired. And of course they're hiding because they're ashamed. But the whole point of after that fall, after that original sin, God's like, I want to draw you back to me. And I think not only does God want to do that with us as individuals, he wants us to be drawn back to one another in our marriages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes we walk through difficult periods. Um, I don't think you can be married for any length of time and not have serious disagreements or what have I done? Um, (laughs) I'm stuck with this person for life. Um, I I just think that's natural that you're going to have ebbs and flows. And I hate for young people to think, as I probably did when we were early on in our marriage, that you have a a fight, a disagreement, and you think, oh my gosh, the rest of my life is going to be terrible. This whole thing was a mistake. Um, I think it's always good to have people around you for counsel and to remember, like you said, like God wants us to draw back to each other, especially in crisis. And we do see that with Adam and Eve. Um, I think sometimes people forget the longer parts of their story. Um, they, They essentially lost both of their sons. Um, You know, when one of them killed the other and then the one who survived was banished, um, they went through some really hard things. And they were kind of our first couple, our first marriage to look to for some kind of guidance on how you weather those things. 
Yeah, no, it's a great point because I, and I do think in our modern world, there's a lot of emphasis early in marriages that if there is conflict, you've possibly married the wrong person, but it's because we have this wrong vision of God's design for marriage, that it's about our own pleasure. It's about us getting whatever we want. It's very selfish versus understanding this vision that no, I actually am made better by loving this person in front of me and, and having mutual understanding. Our marriage counselor says to us, you know, a lot of people say, the key to a good marriage is great communication. And that makes sense. Like we're always connecting, talking, but he said, what really makes a great marriage and the foundations is mutual understanding. And there's a difference there. It's not only about talking and making sure I'm telling Rebecca the things I'm doing, where I'm going, what's happening, you know, logistics. It's about understanding her heart. It's about getting to know her at the most intimate levels of how God's designed her, what animates her life, what brings enthusiasm and energy and her doing that for me means we start to have an understanding of one another that when we go through the hard times and we do have the disagreements and we've had plenty of those over 25 years, we understand that that disagreement is meant to make us more unified in our understanding that there's Mm -hmm. something that triggered that for Rebecca that I need to better understand about who she is. It's not meant to be an excuse to escape or to go on my own. And we all understand that in some marriages, the easy path out, unfortunately, doesn't always lead to a person's life getting easier or better. Sometimes it becomes even more difficult. And so we don't want to run from these problems. We want to look at them head on. And knowing that while we're still one and God put us together, we still are two separate people that have two separate backgrounds, history, um, stories of origin. And uh, one thing that we've been encouraged to do, and it took some time to really hone this was practice just curiosity and empathy. And so when we seek to understand one another in, and we might both be experiencing the same trauma as parents, maybe one of our children might be struggling and we're both experiencing it, but we experience it differently based on our history. And so it's partly going, okay, how are you feeling? What is it? Can you name that pain? And, and then being curious, not judgmental or like, why do you feel that way? You shouldn't feel that way. It's more like, help me understand where this is coming from is this something that has history attached to it right because the lower brain can't tell time so anything scary today might take either of us back to something in childhood or something long before we got married and so recognizing that overreaction might not even be about that acute moment it might be something that we need to unpack that that's deeper. And that's helped us so much with just asking more questions of one another when we respond maybe in a way that's harsh or abrupt or overreactionary, but to go, okay, help me understand. And then listening with empathy, that that holding space for that, I think has really helped us a lot. Gosh, there's so much good meaty advice in there for sure, because so often we want to go on defense when we're in conflict and defend our position or be right, or um, instead of as you guys so wisely counsel, looking to what is the root of that hurt or that reaction. I remember we had a um, marriage counselor tell us early on, like you don't have to agree with the other person. What you do have to do is sort of stop and try to understand why they feel that way and acknowledge it. Well, I was just going to add, I mean, I think what you're pointing out is what happens in the story with Adam and Eve, where, you know, the moment that she eats a bite of the fruit and they understand that, okay, we've crossed the Rubicon here. Like we've, we've made the ultimate mistake that Adam's first response to God is he blames Eve. And this is what we do in our marriages, right? (laughs) Right. It's instant shame response. And so many of us don't even understand how much shame we carry, but our 
decision to deflect and to defend many times is based in this deeper sense of shame. So God's looking at Adam. Adam feels shame. And what, what do we do? We immediately put blame on someone else. So he throws it over to Eve. And then he blames mm-hmm. God. He says, it's the woman you gave me. Right. You gave me. Yeah. It's like, now he's trying to blame <laughs> right. God for this decision. And I think if we could see in our marriages, like that cycle happens day in and day out. Like wife confronts me, Rebecca confronts me, and I want to blame it's someone else or my schedule or this meeting I had or my child or the stress that I'm carrying. I just want to blame someone instead of just looking her in the eye and saying, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the one that's to blame for this. No one else and take responsibility. And that begins this move back towards one another instead of turning from one another, which is mm-hmm. the natural way we tend to react. We'll have more live in the bream in a moment. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I want to read a little bit of this from Genesis 3, um, because God comes looking for them. Uh, He knows what's happened. Um, And Adam's like, well, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then God's like, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman put you here with me. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So it's like you said, it's not just throwing your spouse under the bus, but then pointing our finger of blame at God. I mean, it's so easy for us to read this and be like, that's ridiculous. But how many of us do that in our real lives now? Like, oh, you put me in this circumstance or you gave me this imperfect spouse. It's so easy um, when we are hurt and when we're trying to defend ourselves um, rather than stop and take inventory of ourselves, ask those questions, look to our partner. um, It's really easy to play the blame game. Yeah. And we're only doing that out of fear. Like that self-defense, quite frankly, comes from a root of fear that I'm not enough that if I really reveal those deepest, darkest insecurities that you'll you'll also see as my my spouse, that I'm a fraud and that I'm broken and I'm afraid I'll never change. I mean, I, Gabe and I have had these conversations before and it's been actually sometimes the things we just never want to say out loud. And so instead we deflect and we hide and we self-protect and preserve. Um, if we were just able to have the freedom with empathy and curiosity to say like, I actually, I'm afraid that this is just kind of my mode and I don't want to be this way. I, I don't know exactly where this comes from. Maybe there's some more healing that needs to happen in counseling or therapy. Maybe I just need to be more open and honest when I start to feel those triggers of shame versus retreating to my closet and crying, <laughs> like, <laughs> like staying in the room. Like we've been encouraged to stay in the room if at all possible when there's conflict versus retreat, because Gabe might hide emotionally and just shut down. He'll stay, still stay physically present, but he just will stop talking and saying things. He'll kind of look away. Whereas I'll remove myself from the room. Like I, I, I feel out of control. So I, we both hide, we just hide in different ways. And it's, it's when conflict and insecurity arises where we're, we're, we're touching a pressure point where we go, something's being triggered right now. in each of us, neither of us mean to be doing this. This is a historical situation. This is not in this moment, but let's, let's take a moment. Let's take a breather. Let's take 15 minutes, come back. 
let's ask God to kind of help show us like what is really happening here. And when we're able to do that together, give each other grace in the middle of it, um, we're able to actually really um, unpack some things that might have been patterns for most of our marriage that we want to change. And we can't change those patterns of response until we dig deeper. Yeah, it takes vulnerability, intimacy, transparency, the stuff that is probably easier to talk about than to actually do. Um, we're talking right. with Gabe and Rebecca Lyons. Um, and if you are impressed by their wisdom, like I so often am, um, they've joined us to talk about Adam and Eve in the context of my new book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. But I want to make sure that you know how to find all of Gabe and Rebecca's resources to um, their podcast together, Rhythms for Life, Gabe's new podcast, Undercurrent, and all of these fantastic things that they're doing to speak into mental health and to faith and to marriage and to family. Um, so guys, tell us where people can find resources and more about you. So you can find me just at my website, RebeccaLyons.com. And that's spelled a li- little differently. R-E-B-E-K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S. Yeah, for me, it's GabeLyons.com as well as our handles on Instagram uh, or at RebeccaLyons at GabeLyons. And then also ThinkMedia.com where people can get access to so many great talks and interviews and conversations that will encourage them in their faith and how it relates to culture. Mm -hmm. So critical in these days, such a beautiful, insightful resource that we need. Um, And I have been so blessed by every single one of Rebecca's books. I can't wait to read the new one. I've actually had a sneak peek, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't fib. I have read it and it's fantastic. Building a resilient life. Congrats on that. And all you guys are doing. Thanks so much for joining me on Live in the Bream. Thank you for having us, Shannon. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.